Hey, church family, welcome to another Sunday here at the gate. Thanks, guys, upstairs. And for being a part of our week again, I mean, so many amazing things have happened in just one week. It's just like every week we start, God does amazing things throughout the week in ministry. And I know, like, life is changing almost by the hour, it seems like. But one thing we know is that we've had joy, we've had hope. God's been in the middle of it, and we're coming through it, right? We are so pumped to have this new format today. I know you're like, what is going on here? Well, we've got this bishop. He just, God gave him a word. He's like, we need to get our brains trust together. Yeah, this is our brain. This is our brain trust. We need to get the, the thinkers together, and we need to answer the big questions of the day. And so that's what we're going to do. So just in case you didn't know, we're going to go around. We're going to make introductions here. Got our own Bishop Tony Miller here with us. He is he's the rabbi. We like to call him. He's going to be be laying out the knowledge for us in just a minute. We got Pastor Jay Pike here, Pastor Amanda Connor and Andrea Gorey. Dr. Jay Pike. Dr. Jay Pike. I am just happy to be a part of Bishop and Friends. Of course. I feel like that's what this should be called. Bishop and Friends. We thought about titling it Bishop and Friends, but then we say we'll give everybody names. We'll let you have a name. So it's going to be great today. We've got some questions that we've asked folks to send in, share. We've had pastors and leaders share questions with us, uh, church members that are part of our church and part of our online community to send in questions. And so we just wanted to tackle some of those, share our hearts together, um, pray about those with you. Uh, There are things that we're going to celebrate, things that we're struggling with and wrestling with. I don't know that we have all the answers, but we know who is the answer. And Jesus is the answer. And so we, that, that is our hope. He's our anchor. And so let me just share these. It's such a right. And of course, Bishop, you always have the, the trump card. You tell us, give us direction at any point in time. We, we just, yes, we just pitch to you. However, in, in the midst of this uh, Q&A session, feel free to jump in. But let me just start with you, Andrea. Can we do that? Here's what I'd like to do. I know you're in the professional world, the business world. And so much is happening in that world. We talk about this week a lot about unemployment and, and our economy and, uh, and how we're to restart the economy. But in this time, I would think there's got to be some unique opportunities that have been available for business professionals. So what, what do you see that God's provided business professionals and, and folks that have businesses unique opportunities to be a light in this moment? serve within the major hospital system as a director for mission and community health. And what we're seeing is just opportunities to be innovative. And so one thing that is standing out um, is the work that we do around community health workers. And community health workers, they put you in the mind of the helps ministry. These are people who are passionate about their community, who want to see their community thrive, who want to be able to provide help and hope to those individuals in need right now. And so with being innovative, we've really tapped into that um, telehealth portal with um, assessing for um, needs in, in health and social services to get people connected to those services. But along with that, we look at um, employment opportunities out there for folks. We look at food access and resources available to those individuals. And so um, just being Oklahoma strong, like we hear, um, there's so many innovative opportunities out there for mask making. 405 mask making is one of them that we have um, really um, honed in on in their spirit of just helping hospital systems. Now they're making masks for 
the homeless population and serving the homeless population. So, so those are some of the things that we're seeing is just an opportunity to be innovative. Wow, that's awesome. amazing. And just letting the church really be the church in that environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just rise to the occasion. I know that uh, Bishop Pastor Kathy has been a big part of City Reach. I wonder if you just could share just briefly about some of the things that our church has been able to do to connect with the business community. Yeah, I know that we've been able to uh, meet healthcare workers every week uh, with some things. In fact, this week, Pastor Kathy shared with me that when they showed up at one of our local hospitals, that the uh, director who had been coming to receive the stuff that we take into all the workers on every floor. They said our whole staff has gotten to where we wait every Thursday for the gate church to show up. Uh, it's so, become so a household good. name wow. here. So, so because of people that are part of this congregation, we're able to feed people. We're meeting healthcare workers, first responders. We're helping elderly people that can't get out. Every week, there are people showing up here to volunteer. Wow. Even this week, we had new volunteers show up. So we put masks, masks on them and give them gloves. And we do everything we can to sanitize everything we're doing yeah. because we want to continue to step in the gap. We realize that every time a gap appears, something is missing. Come on. And we want to step into the gap and be Jesus to our world. Man, I love that, Bishop. And maybe one of you guys share just, there are lots of things that we could focus on that are discouraging and, and things that maybe when we're isolated and alone, but really, if you just open your eyes, there are things to be inspired about. So why don't maybe one of you just talk about some of the things that you've seen, maybe it's in the church or in the world, something that's happened in this moment that's unique, that's inspirational and encouraging that we really should put our attention on. Yeah, so I'll go, and then uh, you can follow it up with your interpretations. Is that okay? Um, actually, some of the things that I do that I have found just really unique, actually, Andre and I live in the same neighborhood, and I don't know about you, but I have seen people out 10 times more, right? And we live in a pretty nice neighborhood, and it's nice to meet people. But a few, a few days ago, actually, I was... Um, one of the things my daughters had to do almost every day is make some new food product because it's part of her science versus math versus this. Well, I have so many baked goods, I don't know what to do with them. And I said to my husband, I've got to figure something out to do. And so I said, I'm gonna take them to my neighbors. And he said, well, I know you do that at Christmas and at other times, but I don't know if they'll take them because of sanitation. I dropped them off and I got an inbox from my neighbor who I know is not a, a, a following Christian and said, you have no idea what you just dropping off that little gift to us meant. And I said that story just to say some of the things that I have found in this season is that we get the opportunity to actually love on our neighbors and we get to do it on a pretty regular basis. Um, Bishop sent something last week to us as leaders that I just really picked up on, which was learn to spend time in your front yard, not your backyard. And I loved the idea that was associated with that. So my family, we've actually moved some of our ways of doing things from the backyard to the front yard because it's just created an opportunity to connect with our neighbors and to say, you know what, I don't get to see you regularly, but I'm making a commitment. Everyone has time right now. Whether you like it or not, in some dimension, people have time. And when people have time, they'll give you time. And so I have found that by giving my time, people are giving me theirs. And it's connecting relationship dots that we wouldn't have, like Bishop said, gaps that are being filled. Wow, that's amazing. And really, time will tell, but those relationships can continue on even afterwards. This has presented an opportunity to connect with people we may never had before. 
Yes, That's... exactly. I mean, I don't want to take too much, but 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 Andre and I, we are one of four couples in our neighborhood yeah. that live in our neighborhood. And I was thinking, each one of us are doing things like this. Just imagine what's happening all over our neighborhood. Well, that whole neighborhood yeah. ought to be sanctified then. It's close, Dad. It's very close. It's like, it's like another Jerusalem. We're having there. a <laughs> baptism in Andrea's <laughs> next week. I mean, we're soon we're hey, soon going to be baptized. Yeah, yeah. We can wow. take it to the marshals. <laughs> yes, we yeah. can. Pastor Jay, how about you? Some things that have been inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I think just similarly, I, I hear stories from people uh, all the time, uh, whether it's people just in their normal daily lives, even pastors, people that are leading businesses. And Bishop said something a few weeks ago about how we hold promise and pain together at the same time. And I think that, you know, Christians of all people ought to be able to be the people who can do that well and to recognize that just because there's encouraging things or there's opportunity, there's also great pain going on and it's okay. And as Christians and people who follow Jesus, we say, you know what, Jesus is with us in the pain. But we also recognize that there's great promise in the midst of that. And so we don't have to live in an either or, or world, but we can recognize yeah, this is difficult for a lot of people. And so we're walking as a church and as pastors right. with people who are going through great pain, right. but we're also seeing people finding promise in that pain, encouraging things in lots of different ways. And so I just think, you know, that's a great mindset. I love what Bishop shared a couple of weeks about that. That's really Just good. to help us think yeah, about this season, yeah. uh, you know, really well. Yeah, I love the way you put that. that. That's a real tension for us as Christians. And kind of on that note, I know we don't have tons of time. And I know Bishop is just going to come in a moment and really share a word with us. But Bishop, I'd like for you to address something I really think is big for our church family, for people that are watching and streaming in. We're in the middle of something that just seems outside of what God would have wanted. It feels that way, or it feels it can feel like, well, doesn't God want us to be healthy? Doesn't God want us to be whole? And and I, we had a person write in. They said, well, my grandmother passed away, and is that what God wanted? And and someone else wrote in and said, you know, why is God allowing this to happen? And and why do we see? Basically, the larger question is, and I know it's a heavy question, but why do we see evil and suffering in the world? And, and we really wrestle with that tension. So, you know, really, Bishop, as a father, could you speak to that for us and help us to bring some resolution in our hearts as we follow God? Yeah, and I got like two minutes to answer yeah, this question, and right? Not a long time. Yeah, <laughs> some people have spent their whole life studying it. <laughs> yes. There is a there's something very very important. I think every person needs to recognize today is that the the philosophical approach to evil has been in existence for a long long time. Epicurus in the Greek world is the first guy that come up with this thing called the problem of evil. Where did evil come from? And he asked this question as, as a philosopher. He was deep in thought and he was trying to figure out the world. And he made this statement. He said, if God is willing to stop evil, but he's not able, then he's not omnipotent. And if he's able, but he's not willing, then he's malevolent. He, he's not benevolent. He's actually takes joy in evil working. And then he made this statement. He said, if he's neither able nor willing, then why do you call him God? So the question for us is, how do we answer that? Because I can guarantee you that everybody in your neighborhood, there's somebody in your neighborhood that's asking that question. 
Why did God let this Absolutely. happen? Absolutely, yes, sir. Why did He let the world right. come under this? If He's a, if there really is a God, yep. and then I, I've been asked, like like you said, did God create this? Yep. Did God create this virus? Did God create this illness? Was He mad at somebody? Is He out to prove something? I've heard all kinds of silly things. I've heard people say, "What's well, God's judgment against America for abortion or pornography or Hollywood?" And I'm thinking, why would God punish 190 other nations? For America's sins, that doesn't make sense mm. either. So we, we keep trying to put an infinite God in our finite thinking, mm. and that's where we begin to get in trouble. So I just want to quickly say this real quick. Did God create evil? That's the question that's been asked so often. Did God create right. evil? To ask that question is to automatically have an assumption that we believe that evil is a force opposite of good. Right. That good's a force and evil is a force. But actually, in reality, hold on to your seat. In reality, evil doesn't exist by itself. Evil is the absence of good. Come on, say that, Bishop. It's the absence of good, right? It's like darkness doesn't exist. You can't measure darkness. You can only measure the absence of light. Actually, cold doesn't exist. That's right. Heat is measured by molecules moving. Mm -hmm. So when something gets to a point of absolute zero, it's where molecules have quit moving. So we call that free. That's where where everything freezes. Mm -hmm. So the point is, is that uh, I can give you another one. If you've got a hole in your jacket or in your jeans. Or all over Jay's jeans. If you have a hole in your jeans, you really don't have a, the hole doesn't exist. It's the absence of gene filling that place. Something's missing. So when we say that evil exists, really what happens is, is that goodness has somehow been removed from a situation. And, and what, what has happened is that we, we also believe this. Let me, let me just touch one other thing real quick, and you guys can jump in here, is that we have this misconception that God absolutely controls everything that happens. Come on, Bishop. Uh, Pastor Jay and I had this conversation just uh, a couple weeks ago when this all began about this question, are the, is there something God can't do? Mm-hmm. Well, the truth of the matter is yes. The Bible even says that. Come on. The Bible says that God can't lie. Right. So it doesn't matter how hard you try to get God to lie, he can't lie. Right. The other thing is the Bible says God can't deny himself. So in other words, something that he has set in motion according to his own divine will and purpose, when he created the universe, he won't step back into it and deny himself because he's chose to let things happen. There's a difference between moral evil and natural evil. Why didn't God stop tornadoes and stop earthquakes? Because there's certain things that were set in motion in the creative order, and God's not removed himself. He chooses to work in the middle of it all, but he's, he's not controlling every situation. Listen, wars wouldn't exist today if there weren't men on the planet. God didn't create all these wars. People did. And they were mostly designed by by dominant desires to dominate, uh, by works of pride, by greed, whatever they are. All of the evil that exists, there wouldn't be a drug trafficking problem if there wasn't somebody trying to take advantage. Drugs is not about people getting high, not the guys at the top. At the top, it's about greed. It's about money. So if there wasn't evil hearts or people that had missed the goodness of God in their heart, then evil would not be existing. So that's why Paul comes along to the Romans and says that we know that we've sinned because we've fallen short of what would be the glory or the goodness of God. 
That's why the way that brings people to repentance is when they come face to face with goodness, boom. All of a sudden they recognize, wow, he's so good. I don't measure up really good to that goodness. So that brings me to a place of repentance where I change my Mm. mind. I change my direction. I go in a different way. Am I I making sense? Am I registering? What we're talking about? Well, let me just say one more thing. Isaiah said this way, and this is where we're going to end up today in just a minute. Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, he said, you have to understand something. My thoughts, this is God talking. My thoughts are above your thoughts. My ways are beyond your ways. And sometimes we want to reduce God to our logic. We want to say, if he was good, he wouldn't let that happen. But the reality is, I don't know what's behind the scenes. Let me give you an illustration in the Bible. We think it would be horrible for a parent to give up a child and let them be adopted. That could be a very difficult, tragic time in a child's life and a parent's life. Think what it was like for Moses' mother to walk to a river and release her son to an adoption. You say, well, if God was really God, he wouldn't let that, he wouldn't demand that. But the purpose on Moses' life could never have been fulfilled if he would have been raised in slave quarters. Come on, Bishop. So God allowed that process to take place. What looked like in the world to be an incredible, difficult thing, he allowed that process to take place so that then he could use it to bring a deliverer out of Egypt. So today, here's what I want to challenge you. Don't judge this situation by human standards. So good. God didn't bring a virus. He didn't create sickness. The world is fallen. Mm. From Genesis chapter 3, the earth is in a fallen condition. There was no sickness. There were no weeds in the earth. There was no bad weather in the earth until sin entered the earth. When sin entered the earth, the the earth is under a fallen condition. That's why Jesus comes to give us new creation. Amen. And the the day is going to come when the culmination of all things comes together. He's going to wipe every tear from our eye. Disease is going to be gone. Bad weather is going to be gone. A fallen earth is going to be gone. And it's all going to come back into what God created it to be in the beginning. I love that, Bishop. And I love the frame that you're giving us there about understanding God, not in the context of control, but in his goodness. Yeah. Seeing God in his goodness and not as some controlling being. And really, let me just say, Andrea, maybe just speak to this just a minute. We've got time for maybe one more here kind of roundabout. Is this idea of how we process that internally. So if God is good, instead of looking at him as just in this all-controlling being and everything, he's just manipulating a chessboard. That's got to apply to my life, too. Absolutely. So, so like in your life, can, maybe you can just speak to how you process in real time. If I'm out of control, how do I deal with my control issues and learn to trust God? How, can speak to that. So my husband and I, we were talking about this the other day and how sometimes we feel out of control. And mind you, we were talking about whenever I was pregnant. And I said it was crazy because whenever I was pregnant, I felt out of control. My senses were heightened. You know, I was just really agitated. And my and my husband's going to hate me for saying this. But during Tell the birthing right process, I kept telling him, get out of my face. I don't want you breathing in my face, your breath, you know. But it was because my senses were heightened. And he yeah. said, you know what, honey? That's amazing because what you're saying is through that pain, our senses may be heightened. We may feel out of wow. control, but through the birthing process, mm-hmm. it births something yeah, beautiful. Really wow. And so that is like when mm-hmm. we talked about that, I was like, oh my gosh, honey, you're so right. Sometimes we experience mm-hmm. pain, but on the other side, it's 
something beautiful. And so right now we may be experiencing a season of pain, but understand that here in Oklahoma and around and nationwide and statewide, you know, continue to walk by faith and not by sight and know that everything is going to work out for the good of those who are called according to God. And that's awesome. I love that. And I hear you saying to embrace this moment and the pain's part of that process. And understanding that it's all leading us not into control, but in towards goodness. So maybe you guys just want, as we end this up, talk about how scripture doesn't give us this sort of key turn answer to everything we're facing. So could you guys just share just briefly, what do you do when scripture doesn't work with your perfect algorithm of how do I fit Jesus in this box and come through this this issue that I'm facing? And what, what are your answers to those things? Well, I, I think uh, obviously they're really important questions. They're not just theory questions. They really are questions that we wrestle sure. with in our, in our normal lives. And just to add to what Bishop said, um, you know, the, the Bible says that, that men are inventors of evil. And so the Bible tells us where that comes from. And, and we understand a lot of times these conversations end up talking about what is God like. And I think that the most important thing we can say is that while the Bible doesn't always give us super clear uh, verses about every question, what it does tell us is if we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Bishops preached that before. We know this. And so when we want to know what God thinks about sickness, we look at Jesus. And Jesus tells us that God's not the author of sickness. God is the healer. And so when Jesus encounters sickness, he heals it. People say, Jesus, are you willing to heal me? And he says, I'm willing be made whole. So that's important. And those kinds of things have to become the foundation of our thought. And we can explore questions and situations, but we just understand, like Bishop shared, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of difficulty, but the bedrock, the foundation of what we believe as Christians is that God is good, that he's like Jesus, and that he's not an inventor of evil. And so that helps us, gives us an anchor uh, to walk through times that are confusing and difficult and painful. And so I think uh, that becomes very important uh, just to just allow I think it's a big difference between did God create it or will God use it and work within it? Yeah. And the other thing I think that we like to lean into is that this is a part of the mystery, but we get to participate with God. And the human responsibility to respond to evil is important because we don't just say, well, we don't know, or God's in control, or this or that or the other. But what we say is, we don't know, but what we know is what God's like, and God invites us to participate. So what do we do? We pray. We be an instrument of healing. We reach out in love, and we pray, and we, we believe that goodness will prevail, that the kingdom will come, and that God's will will be done. Yeah. And God's really inviting us into that moment right now through prayer. Absolutely. That's yes. what we can do. That's action and participation. Yeah, let's, let's just actually speak to something uh, before we shift here. And uh, maybe, Amanda, you can speak into this as well. What happens is when we begin to sense all kinds of anxiety, all kinds of powerlessness, when my senses are elevated and I feel powerless to change any of the feelings I'm having, our temptation then is to want to create a world that requires nothing of me. So I turn to alcohol. It gives me the peace or the momentary relief that I've been looking for. Porn. Mm-hmm. You realize how this, they found out that during this pandemic, more people have 
have turned to pornography than have in the last two years put together. I just read a statistic today. Why? Because they don't know how to deal with their anxiety, their powerlessness. And so they create a world where nothing, I'm not responsible for anything. Just give me momentary relief, whether it's drugs, whether it's whatever it is. It's, it's sometimes it's just checking out of your responsibility of life. And so what I believe God's saying to us in the middle of this is that he's revealing Watch this. He's revealing not that not that we're incapable people. He's revealing the faulty foundations that we have built on to try to find our power. I have, you know, I feel like I have power to overcome my problems because I have a job or I have a, I have freedom to come and go or I have whatever. So when all that gets taken from me, the faultiness of my foundations begin to be exposed, and I'm I'm left hanging out here, going now I got to find some substitute that can help me to deal with my anxiety and my powerlessness. And that's what I believe Jesus is saying to us in the middle of this. I believe God's going to use it. And it's like in Joseph's day when he said, what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to bring good out of it at the end of the day for your life. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely true. You know, I actually believe boredom is is a sinful result. I don't actually believe boredom in itself is righteous. And, and the reason mm, is, is totally. because it was, it's against the command of God to work, to multiply, to put your hand to the plow, so, and to be fruitful. And so when you, when you operate in boredom, you open doors to allow the enemy to come and fill the void that causes you to act out in a different way because you are not putting your hand to anything, and, and you feel unproductive. And so that unproductivity forces you into that. And, and I, I think that a lot of times people end up in sinful situations or in, mm. in desolate situations out of their really inability to deal with their own boredom, sinful natures, not realizing that we stay away from words that Mm -hmm. we don't like in in scripture. And um, I was just reminded of something that this isn't so much completely about this boredom situation, but it is something I was thinking about when Bishop was talking earlier. And it speaks to me every time I read it. And the book of John's my favorite. And there's something the Lord spoke to me out of it that I've just gone back to in this season. And it really was out of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, he he prophesied, he taught, he made a way for, for the most amazing Christ to come. He did it all rightly. And then you look in John chapter four and Jesus has now been baptized. He's on the horizon, but John's in prison. And to be quite honest, he had prophesied prison doors opening and his weren't. And I think he was dealing with in that moment, a consciousness of, hold on, I did all that you asked me to do And I'm not seeing for myself the thing I made room for that you said was going to happen. And he sent his disciples to Jesus. And the Bible says that when they showed up to Jesus, Jesus answered when they said to him that John just wants to know, are you the one or should I look for another? Because I think we all get to that imprisoned place Mm -hmm. where we feel like, hold on, have I invested my whole life in something that I thought was one way and now you're telling me it may not be this way? And he says to him, I just need to know, did I waste it? Did I give it all away? Am I really, is this really all there is? And this is what Jesus responds to disciples. He said, he said, go and tell him what you see and what you hear. In other words, you got to be looking at the Christ, as Jay said, in order to see and hear something different. 
number one. That means turn off your TVs and your social internet and get in the presence of God. But secondly, and this is what I wanted to say as I'm ending and moving it back to David. He said to his disciples, he said, tell John this, blessed, blessed is the one who doesn't get offended with the way I choose to do it. And I think that is the key. The key is there's a blessing that's on the other side of COVID. It's on the other side of where you're at in life. It's on the other side of disease. It's on the other side of imprisonment that will make you believe and to know that you don't have to be offended with the way that God chooses to do something in your life. He has your best interest in mind and he will do what Andrea said. He will work all things together for your good. Bishop, why don't you share? It's incredible. I just want to take a moment, everybody in the room, just wherever you're at right now, there's been some valuable things that have been said here today. I want to take a moment and lean into something because there is a greater pandemic affecting our world than the virus. And one of the faulty foundations that this has exposed is that we have become people who are pursuers of happiness. And when we're not happy, then our life falls apart. And actually, I I was just reading and studying in my own personal life. Because honestly, if if I'm really honest with everybody today, what I come to realize is that my world shifted. My world changed. Everything shifted. I'm used to going and doing and my life being busy and being able to get on an airplane and fly wherever I wanted or take a trip. This week was my anniversary. Kathy and I celebrated 42 years of marriage. And I said, well, where do you want to go? And I was like, well, wait a minute. We can't. So we packed up and moved upstairs. That's, that's where we went. We, we just went upstairs to the bedroom upstairs and said, we'll celebrate our anniversary. No, we didn't really do it. I'm just kidding. That's what oh I told God. her. We, I was like, that's incredible if you did yeah, that. That's what, that's what I told her we was going to do. We didn't do that. But what I found out is that the pursuit of happiness is a dead end street. It's a dead end street. Someday is not, not going to make you happy. Someday your family's not going to make you happy. Someday your spouse is not going to make you happy. And if you're constantly pursuing happiness, you constantly come up to a dead end street. But what the Bible teaches is the Bible, the Bible is not full of teaching us that God's committed to my happiness. That's John the Baptist. Jesus actually looked at him and said, don't be offended at whatever course your life takes. You got to trust me that I'm good enough to take care of you. Even if you think your life is going down a road that is nothing like you wanted it to be. Because the Bible doesn't teach us that God's committed to our happiness. Watch this. The Bible teaches us that God is the source of our joy. Joy. As I was praying about this Sunday, you know, we, we've been five weeks now. That people have been saying, what's going to happen next? And maybe we've got news we can get out and only to come to find out that really we, we are out, but we're not really out. And if I do go out, life's not like it was normally. And, and sometimes the, the gradual stages of freedom can be more frustrating than just saying, let's stop and start. But life doesn't happen that way. You know, you, you, you think I walked down an altar, I got married, and now it's life uh, happy ever after. Only problem is between the prayer at the altar and the happily ever after, there was a whole lot of stuff went on in between. And sometimes happiness left the room. But Jesus said, I want to be the source of your joy. In fact, Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 12, verse number three. 
They're going to put that on the screen, on the lower part of the screen. Here's what Isaiah 12, 3 says. He says, I want you to, with joy, draw water from the well of salvation. Wow. You have a bucket. That's what I want to talk to you about today. You have a joy bucket. If you don't get your bucket, if your bucket's got a bunch of holes in it, you don't get the benefits of the salvation Jesus came to bring you. He, he, when David sinned, he said, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. There's a lot of people that repented and didn't get their joy back. And when they didn't get their joy back, they didn't get the benefits of everything Jesus came to redeem and to restore and put back in order. Because the way we draw water or the, the refreshing and the substance of what salvation brings to us is we draw it up with joy. you got to get your bucket. I'm telling I'm talking to somebody right now. You've got to get your bucket. In fact, if you're, if you're online and you're on one of the chat lines, you'll just say, I'm going to get my bucket. I'm going to get my bucket. Wherever you laid your bucket down, go get your bucket. Because your bucket's called joy, and it's with joy that you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Proverbs 17, 22 says this, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit is like dried bones. Do you realize he didn't say a merry environment doeth good? Somebody said, boy, if I could just get to a restaurant to eat out, whew, I feel like I'd be really good. But the truth of the matter is, is that environments are not medicine to you. Because your life doesn't improve from the outside in. Your life improves from the inside out. So when you get merry in your heart... It's like somebody gave you the, the, the antidote to whatever it is that's been trying to destroy you. I'm talking to somebody today. Your joy is coming back because your joy is not in an event. Your, your joy is not in some place that you go every week. Your joy is in a person. It's the person of Jesus. Listen to me closely. I just want to hurry. I'm not going to take very long because I think you've heard some valuable stuff today. I, I wrote these down in my journal. God reminded me this morning. He said, here's what joy is. First of all, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Or you could say it this way. Joy is a byproduct of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you stay intimate with the Holy Spirit, joy will automatically be a part of your life. Do you know what? Amanda Amanda's my eldest daughter. For those of you that don't know, th this one right here is my... <laughs> she's my eldest daughter. Yeah. Joy, yeah. joy, joy. Uh, my second and third one, I learned a lot more. But anyway, <laughs> she's, she's my eldest daughter. How many of you know she is the byproduct of Kathy and I's intimacy? Yes. We didn't have to struggle and strain and grit our teeth and say, wow, we want to make a child. No, no, listen. All we had to do is to become intimate. And when we became intimate, the byproduct of that was fruit. You don't have to struggle to be full of joy. You just got to get intimate with God. If you get intimate with Him, the byproduct of that, one of those byproducts is joy. Joy is a fruit of a relationship. Second of all, I, I wrote this down. Joy is, is the result of a word from God or a word of promise. John 15, 11, Jesus said this, These words have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be full. In other words, I gave you my word. I gave you my promise 
so that when all hell broke loose in your house, you didn't have to lose your joy because your joy is not based on what your employer told you they was going to do. Your joy was based on what I told you I was going to do. You remember a few minutes ago I talked to you about something God can't do? God can't lie. God is not a man that he should repent, nor the son of a man. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of a man he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. So Jesus said, I gave you these words. I spoke my word into you that your joy might be full. Third thing joy is, joy is the result of proper expectations. Do you know what? We put our expectations on all the wrong things. And when they don't come through, our world, our world caves in. But here's what Jesus did from the cross. You can't get any more. I mean, we, we've been, come on, we, we've had a little difficulty. We've been shut up in our homes or maybe you couldn't go out to eat or maybe you couldn't play golf or maybe, maybe something's happened. And I realize there's some people here that have experienced incredible difficulty in hospitals and fighting disease. And some have even lost family members. My heart breaks for people. But Jesus from the cross, you can't get any more passionate, painful situation than the cross of Calvary. And Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know what that means? When you set your eyesight beyond your immediate problem, and you begin to build an expectancy about tomorrow, joy all of a sudden begins to be restored to you. Because what gets you through the present is the joy that he's bringing you to the other side. Listen, if we come out of this and have learned nothing, not grown, not gained a greater appreciation for him, not gained a greater attitude of gratitude, then we'll come out the other end. We'll be angry. We'll be bitter. I'm not making light of what anybody lost. We've all lost something. But I'm telling you, we want to come out the other side with more in us than we went in. And when we set that kind of expectation, joy begins to come back to my life. I'm, I don't know who I'm talking to right now. There's somebody that you may have even lost a business. And you think, man, my whole world shattered. It was not your only dream. There's a promise over your life. And what you've lost is not near as big as the God who's still with you. So you have to believe that when I come through this, he's the God who can do it again. He's the God that can not only recover, he can restore. And I, I'm just prophesying to somebody right now that God is about to restore to you the years or the months or the weeks that the canker worm ate up and the things that you thought were taken from you and absorbed. He's about to restore those things to you in the name of the Lord. So joy comes when you set your expectation on the other side of the present problem. Here's the fourth thing is that joy is the atmosphere of the kingdom. Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God's not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know, David said in Psalm 1611, in your presence there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. 
Let me say something to you. Listen to me closely. In his presence, everything makes sense. Outside of his presence, nothing makes sense. There have been times in my life that everything I was looking around at, none of it made sense. It, I didn't even need a pandemic. I just need some blunders and failures and mistakes of my own. But when I got in his presence, I realized the kingdom was not meat and drink. It was righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So here's what Isaiah prophesied about the day of that kingdom coming. He made this statement. He said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. As the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than yours. And he talked about the fact that everything we think is so finite, but everything he thinks is so infinite and powerful and beyond our understanding. But in verse 12, he makes this statement. He says, in that day when the kingdom comes, you shall go out with joy and you shall be led forth with peace and the trees of the fields will clap their hands. I wonder who I'm talking to today. You need to go out with joy. You need to be led with peace. You say, well, I don't, my trees don't clap in my yard. He's, listen, he's, he's using a, a metaphor. He's trying to make an analogy or something. He's saying this, that when you learn to be one who goes out with joy and you learn how to be led with peace, he said, even the environment around you will begin to clap. It'll begin to celebrate your journey. The redeemed of the Lord shall return. And they're going to come with singing unto Zion. When you get your joy bucket back, you start drawing waters out of the wells of salvation, songs will overflow in you. You'll get your whistle back. Even if you can't go any further than the end of your driveway to take your garbage out, you'll get your whistle. You'll at least whistle down to the end of the road. Because God is restoring joy. I hear the Holy Ghost saying that you will not live Chasing something that's a cul-de-sac that has no ability to give you what you're looking for. That's very good. But the joy of the Lord yes. will be your strength. Yes. strength. I want to pray for you. As we come to the close of this day, I want to pray for you. I want you to understand something. There is nothing you need that he's not capable of. And we started this whole conversation by saying, the only thing evil is, is the absence of goodness. You know what? You know the reason some darkness exists in your world is because light hadn't got there yet. You want to know why some evil is abounding? It's because the revelation of his goodness has not got to you yet. But I believe God put me in your path today. I believe my voice and the voice of these people on this panel with me is ringing in your ears. That he's a good, good God. He's a good, good God. He's a good, good Father. And he wants to restore your joy today. So I want to pray with you. If you don't personally know Jesus, if you've never personally asked Jesus to come into your life, I want to pray for you right now. 
I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. If you're online, please, please just go on the chat line and let them know, I want to receive Christ. I need that joy in me today. I need my joy restored. I need joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I want to pray with you. And there's somebody on that line that right now is willing to pray with you. In fact, they'll even give you a phone number where somebody will be willing to talk to you personally and pray with you right now. Not, not, not later on. Right now, somebody will talk to you and say, the joy of the Lord is coming through the salvation you're going to experience. You're going to draw water out of the wells of salvation. If you're receiving Christ today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I need your joy to be in my life. And I'm asking you now, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and live in me. I receive you, Jesus, in my heart. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. If you just pray that prayer with me, would you just tell somebody, just go on the chat line, wherever you're at, hit us a bunch of stars, just let somebody know, I just changed my world. I just let Jesus come into my heart. Let me pray for people today that are fighting against depression and all kinds of oppression against your house. People have, the enemies come to make you believe that your happiness will never going to return and that you've been fighting all kinds of anxiety. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand in agreement right now that the joy of the Lord will well up on the inside of people's hearts and lives. I thank you that today, right where they are, You'll speak a word of promise. I've spoken these words to you that your joy may be full and that your joy may remain. I pray now in Jesus' name that you'll speak into their hearts and that they will know the joy of the Lord is theirs today. I pray that you'll teach us to get our joy bucket out. God, help us to once again draw water out of the wells of salvation so that we can experience the goodness of the Lord in everything we do. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. If you prayed that prayer with me today to receive Christ, would you just let somebody know online, I want to send you this book. This book is called Fresh Start. It's how to begin a new life with God. I'll get it in the mail to you tomorrow. We've sent out a lot of these during this pandemic because people are giving their life to Christ. I would love nothing better than the opportunity to let you know how to begin a brand new journey with Jesus. Just write and let us know. They'll give you the instructions. You can text a number or you can give them an address and they'll send it to you. For those of you that are watching today that are ongoing part of our Gate Church family or those of you that may just be a part today. You know, we actually had somebody just a week ago who said, you know what? I'm not a part of the gate, but my life has been transformed by these services. And I just want to sow into what's blessed me. It's our time to come and bring our tithe and our offerings to the Lord. So thankful for you. I want you to know something, church family. Your generosity is continuing to change lives. I said this, started saying this years ago. Every time you give, somebody gets saved. Every time you give, somebody gets saved. Do you know this week, the Gate Church was able to host a conference called Affecting Destiny that went digital. And we had 1,500 unique Addresses. Some of those computers had three and four people sitting behind them. This week, we ministered to thousands of leaders all across America. You want to know why? Because of you. Do you know what? We went to a hospital this week, and, and the people that are working there actually celebrated the Gate Church volunteers and surf teams pulling in the driveway. Why? Because of people like you. Here's what I want, here's what I want you to know today. The Bible says, 
all through Scripture that the first things are holy to the Lord. The first of everything is holy to God. Proverbs says, will you honor me with the first of all your increase? When you do, your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow. There's something about not making God a part of your leftovers, but making God a part of your first. So I want to challenge you today. Would you put God first even in your giving? You say, Bishop, do you not realize how difficult the times are? This is what I know. I can never protect myself financially. I can't protect myself. I don't know the I don't know what the future holds. But I can prepare myself financially by the seeds I sow. So I want to encourage you today. Make sure you sow generously. Father, thank you for people who are generous givers today. I thank you for a harvest, a bountiful blessing that's coming to their life. I thank you that you will be better at taking care of them than they can take care of themselves. And I ask you to bless business people. I ask you to bless families, homes, single adults, single parents. Would you bless them today? Senior citizens, I speak a blessing over them today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. There are ways on the screens you can give. Thank you for being a part of the Gate Church today. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he lift his countenance upon you. May he shine his grace and favor. May he keep you in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.